Uh, Last Sunday, we uh, shared a message uh, out of Philippians chapter 3 with the theme of press on. And I don't know about you, I tell you, I am just ready to move forward. I feel like uh, our country, our entire country has been stuck uh, in place for way too long, you know, and how that affects us on an individual basis as well. Um, So today I want to share a message uh, called the five laws of sowing and reaping. And, you know, if we want to move ahead with our lives and we want to move ahead in in our spiritual growth, um, I think it's really important for us to examine what kind of seed that we're planting in our lives and uh, how the harvest of that seed is affecting us. You know, because we can uh, plant good seed and we can plant bad seed, and the harvest will follow that. And we'll talk about those uh, laws here in in just a few minutes. But I want to call attention to the fact that when we say these five laws, when, when something is a law, like the law of gravity... It is irrefutable, okay? That means is there's no exceptions to that. When we say that there's a law of gravity, aren't you glad that we can count on the fact that there is gravity, okay? And consistently, right? Um, you don't want to sometime, you know, decide you're going to jump and all of a sudden the law of gravity doesn't exist and you jump right off into space or something. You know what I'm talking about. We can count upon it every single time. If I had, you know, an, a ball or something that I was going to drop here, we know that when I let go of it, it would drop every single time. And so are the laws of sowing and reaping. They are irrefutable, Okay. They are laid down by God himself, and we'll take a look at that. But we need to examine our lives in such a way and determine what seed are we planting? What seed are we sowing into our lives and into the lives of others in a way that will produce a harvest that we want? And if we're feeling stuck or we're feeling, you know, behind and, and all of that, it may be, you know, I think in our country, we have certainly sown the seeds of division and we are reaping division throughout our country. And, uh, you know, it would just take a couple of buzzwords and we'd all just feel a little bit of animus, right, <laughs> about certain subjects, which we're not going into. But, uh, you know, when I just think in so many ways we are we're on edge, and uh, part of that is just this feeling of being stalled and held back, and it's time, I believe, to move forward. I'm excited about some of the ministries that are coming up, you know, the ladies' Bible study starting tonight. What a great opportunity, ladies, to get together and some fellowship. Let's, let's break up some of this cabin fever that, uh, you know, and 30 below uh, just has a way of getting us on edge after a while, not being able to leave the house or do things that uh, we normally do. And, you know, let's, uh, let's just find ways to get together and think about how we can encourage one another in the house of the Lord today. So I encourage you to doing that. Uh, get signed up for the Pinewood Derby. I tell you what, you know, young and old, ladies, men, boys and girls, it's for everybody and it's a lot of fun. So we encourage you to get part of that. Well, open your Bibles to Hosea chapter 10 and verse 12. Hosea is speaking to a wayward Israel, trying to call them back to the Lord. They have wandered away from following after God and are paying the consequences of it. They have sowed seed to the wind. And Hosea says, you have reaped the whirlwind because of it. And so here in this passage in verse 12, Hosea 10, 12, He says this, sow for yourselves righteousness, reap in mercy. 
Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. Uh, This past Wednesday, we had our prayer night, and the theme of that prayer night was, uh, it is time to seek the Lord. And I just just feel a a drawing uh, to the Lord. I I tell you, more than ever before, I think it is time for us to seek the Lord. And it is time for us to sow uh, in righteousness so that we can reap mercy so that we can expect the rain of righteousness to fall upon us. And I I pray that that is an emphasis that we will take into this new year in 2022, that we will seek the Lord. You know, there's so many passages in Scripture. I just had an incredible time just looking up verses in Scripture that included that phrase, uh, some form of that phrase, you know, it is time to seek the Lord, or he sought the Lord with all of his heart, or whatever form of that. And it was just incredible that anytime anyone sought the Lord, you know, the, the great promise of Second of Chronicles 7, uh, 14, you know, those who will seek my face. God answers in powerful ways. Deliverance from enemy, provision, uh, safety, protection, all of those things are part of that seeking the Lord. And if you will set your heart to seek the Lord throughout 2022, I don't know, you know, just set a, a time aside. You know, I'm going to spend some time seeking the Lord's face uh, every morning along with your Bible reading. By the way, have I encouraged you to read your Bible lately? <laughs> that just came up. If you haven't yet gotten a Bible reading guide, by all means, get one today. They're on the little tables uh, near the entrances of our uh, sanctuary. And, and even if you took one before and you don't know where you laid it, just get another one, okay? We'll pay for it. It's on the tab, all right? And we just encourage you to read your Bible. This just helps you keep track. If you fall behind, which you will, don't worry about it, okay? That doesn't eliminate you. That doesn't mean quit. That means just pick up where you left off. That's what that means. And the Bible reading guide will help you do that. So we encourage you to, uh, to do that. But, you know, I think it's part of setting our hearts to seek the Lord. Whatever it is you want to see change in your family or, you know, in, in your personal life, maybe it's your health, maybe, maybe you're praying for your kids or praying for your marriage or uh, praying for your business, whatever it may be, Set some time to seek the Lord. And he is faithful. He will answer. He will come alongside. He will encourage you. He will open up your eyes. He'll give you wisdom. He'll give you direction if we just take the time to seek his face. And then we'll take a look here today at the five laws of sowing and reaping. The first law that we encounter when we are looking at the five laws of sowing and reaping is that we reap what we sow. Okay? Can we say that out loud together? I want you to hear it in your own ears, okay? We reap what we sow. One, two, three. We reap what we sow. That's true. If you sow apple seeds, what will you grow? An apple tree, right? And you will grow apples. You reap what you sow. If you sow dandelion seeds, what will you get? Yeah, a yard like mine, right? Yeah, we don't sow dandelion seeds and get blueberries, right? We reap what we sow. Now, this was set at the beginning of creation. You can open your Bibles to the first chapter of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, and God set this down as a law, okay? Genesis 1.11 says this, Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass 
the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so, and is still so. And this law of sowing and reaping not only affects things like apple seeds and dandelion seeds, it affects the spiritual realm as well. What we sow, now most often, what we might consider a seed in the spiritual realm usually takes form in the form of words. The words that we speak produce harvests. And you sow criticism, and what will you reap? You will reap criticism. And on the contrary to that, if we reap kindness, we will reap kindness. And often that is a reality through the words that we use. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7, it's demonstrated that not only in the natural world, but the spiritual world, Galatians 6, 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Okay? So we need to pay attention to the seed that we're sowing. Watch the words of our mouth. Certain actions can be the effect of, of sowing seed. And uh, whether it's kindness or whether it's criticism or uh, whatever it is, anger, we can expect the kind of harvest that we will receive depending upon what seed it is that we're planting and sowing with our lives, with our words, with our mouths. So in order to reap, we must sow, and no harvest will be reaped without being sown first. If you sow nothing, you will reap nothing. If you sow weeds, you will get weeds. If you sow wheat, you will get wheat, and so forth. There's always a harvest to whatever it is that we plant. I'm always amazed, you know, the seeds that we have can just remain seed. You can go to the store today and get a packet of seeds or whatever you want, you know, carrots or, or celery or tomatoes or whatever the, the case may be. You can get a packet of seeds, and those seeds can remain in the package. You can put them on the shelf until spring. They will just remain seeds. And if you do not sow them, they will remain seeds. They, they have opened tombs from, from eons prior, you know, the Egyptian pharaohs and all that. They, with them, uh, when they sealed their crypts, they, uh, they put seed in there for, in their thought, the afterlife. And uh, archaeologists have opened those tombs and found those seeds, and they have remained seeds because they haven't been sown. And some of them, even after thousands of years, have been put in soil with water and sunlight, and they have yet sprouted. That's what seeds do. When they're sown, they sprout, and they have given them some insight into how uh, plant life existed, you know, thousands of years ago, because the seeds are preserved until they are sown. And so we reap what we sow. If we sow nothing, we will reap nothing. We may have the seed, but if we refuse to give it, if we refuse to sow it, then, uh, then we won't. You know, and there never seems to be a good time for certain things. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 in verse 4 says this, He who observes the wind, uh, how many observed the wind this last week? Hmm? Yeah. Uh, he who observes the wind uh, will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. What does that tell you? There's, there's rarely a good time to do what we need to do. You know, I tell couples, uh, you know, thinking of maybe starting a family, having children. But, you know, how many know there's never a good time to have children, right? 
uh, you know, I, I, I've heard so many times, it's like, well, we don't know about having kids, you know, the world is so terrible, and, and we're so afraid, you know, raising kids, bringing children into this world. You know what? It has always been that way. It has always been that way. When my wife and I were contemplating having children, you know, it wasn't a good time. It wasn't a good time to have kids. You know, I, I was looking at some old notes here in, uh, in, back in 2005. How many remember 2005? You do? I have no clue what happened in 2005. <laughs> 2005. It was a terrible time. It was a terrible time. It's in my notes. I was talking about it. It was an uncertain time. There was, there was uncertainty and fear. And, you know, it's like, oh, my goodness. There has ne- there's never a time that's just perfect to do the right thing. You know what I tell couples that want to have children is to just have them, okay? Just have them. You know, it's never going to be a perfect time to do anything. And uh, you just got to do what, what God has laid on your heart. You know, and uh, another thing I feel really, you know, is a personal mission of mine is to encourage young people, young couples especially, to get started on saving for your retirement. Uh, put some money away. And I will tell you this, there is never a good time to do that. It just is never a good time. So do it anyways and trust God. But this, this whole idea of, you know, sowing and reaping and that sort of thing, number one, we have to first sow. We have to invest. We have to let go of some of the things that God has given us and trust him for the harvest, trust him for the results of that sowing. In order for us to uh, experience a harvest in the future, we have to plant and sow today. You know, we, we talk so much about, you know, I, someday I'm praying for my ship to come in. How many have ever heard that that? phrase, right? I'm waiting for my ship to come in. What we need to ask is, did you send one out, right? If you're expecting a ship to come in, you better send one out. You know, otherwise we're just waiting and waiting and waiting. So if we do not sow, we will not reap and we will reap what we sow. So what we have to reckon with is that there's never a perfect time to do all of these things, invest for the future, having children or building or, you know, starting a business. There's never a perfect time to do that. There's always challenges. There's always worrisome things. He who observes the wind will not sow and he who watches the clouds will not reap. And so what is that telling us from Scripture? Is that, you know what? There's always going to be risk. There's always going to be uncertainty. And, you know, to say the things that we need to say, sometimes those are hard. Sometimes it exposes our heart, you know, and maybe we don't feel safe, you know, to tell somebody how much we love and appreciate them or, or whatever the case may be. We should just do it because we will never see the harvest if we withhold the seed. So the truth of the matter is, whether we are intentional about it or not, we sow seed all the time. You know, when we hold back because, you know, we're observing uncertain times and it may not seem like a good time to do this or do that. And I'm not saying just be stupid. You know, there's always research and uh, counsel that we should seek and certainly, in, you know, in prayer Uh, with the Lord anytime we make big decisions. That's all part of the game plan. But if we are just merely afraid of doing what God has laid on our heart, we're going to be sowing seed, maybe not what we intend, maybe we're sowing seeds of fear and doubt. And uh, and the harvest of fear and doubt is uh, that our faith is diminished and our trust in God is diminished. So understand, you know, we're going to sow seed no matter what. What we want to do is sow good seed because that will determine what it is we harvest. And that is a law that cannot be refuted. 
And that applies to the positive, it applies to the spiritual, applies to the things of God, as well as the negative. So if we're out doing and sowing negative seed, we're going to reap a negative harvest. If we're going to plant spiritual seed, we're going to reap a spiritual harvest. So number two, you sow what you reap is number one. Number two is, is that reaping takes time. Isn't that true? How many know when you plant a seed, you come back the next morning, there's a full-fledged whatever right there, huh? Does it work that way? No, it doesn't. It takes a little bit of time. You know, my wife, uh, for her birthday, decided she wanted to get a hydroponic garden. And we are not growing pot, just to lay that aside, okay? We don't plant that seed, okay? So we don't get that harvest. <laughs> and it's a crazy looking thing. If you were going to build a, a spaceship out of marshmallows, that's what this thing looks like. But anyways, it, you know, it's scientifically proven and Plant, she planted all kinds of seeds, and, uh, you know, it didn't look like much, you know, for quite a while. And, uh, you know, starting a garden right in the middle of winter doesn't seem like a thing to do, but uh, here's, this, here's this thing, and, you know, these plants are growing. Now we have salad every meal. Every meal. I mean, we're growing lettuce like crazy. I think we've saved $1.50, you know. <laughs> We got all kinds of things. We got, we got strawberries growing. We got herbs and all that kind of thing. But it's interesting that those seeds that are planted in that garden tower thing, marshmallow thing, they don't grow right away. And it does everything for you. It waters everything. You don't have to water it. You just maybe have to take care of the dead leaves or something like that that, uh, that happen now and then. But uh, it takes time, you know, just watching these plants grow and start. Um, it just takes the appropriate time. So we must first sow. And then we must be patient. We must wait for what was sown to grow before we can reap. And it's never as fast as we want it to be. You know, when she planted the lettuce seeds in that hydroponic garden, we weren't planning to serve salad at dinner that night, okay? It takes time. Now it's growing and it's working, and, and I don't think we'll ever be out of salad. You know, in a, in a results now kind of world, it's hard to wait. It's hard to have patience. Great biblical example of this is uh, the story of Jacob and Esau. If you're taking notes, you can just write this down. Genesis chapter 25. Jacob and Esau were twin brothers. Esau was considered the elder brother because he was born first. Even though they're twins, he came out first. And due to the culture at the time, the birthright or the lion's share of the father's inheritance passed to the firstborn. So Esau was the recipient of his father's inheritance. Of course, that's a quite prestigious and, and advantageous uh, place to be if you're the firstborn male in that culture. Uh, the, the vast amount of wealth was transferred to you. Now, Jacob, who was born on the same day as his brother Esau, but second, uh, was envious and jealous of this birthright. Well, once they were both grown, Esau was a man of the field, the scripture says, and he was a hunter and and went out uh, looking for game to eat and, and provide the family with food. He had been out for a number of days and had found nothing, had captured nothing. And he returned home and he was famished. He was starving. How many, how many know you don't make your best decisions when you are hungry? Hmm? You don't go shopping when you're hungry, right? It'll cost you double. 
And so Esau found himself in that way, and he was famished, he, he felt like he was starving to death, and his brother, Jacob, had been cooking in a family compound there, and had a stew that was simmering, and, and uh, how many knows that, you know, you, it could be, you could be boiling sawdust, and it would smell good if you're hungry, right? So he comes into that, and he smells this stew, and he asks his brother Jacob, and they weren't on great terms, they weren't great friends, he asks him, he says, can I have some of the stew that you're cooking? And Jacob, seizing an opportunity of weakness in Esau, he says, I'll give you stew, but you have to give me the birthright. What a choice, right? Well, Esau does, as many of us do, we kind of make a quick snap decision, and, and his reasoning went, well, what good is this birthright? You know, what good is that to me if I starve to death? You know, if I, if I die, then, you know, I don't get the benefit of the birthright anyways, and I'm about to die. So, yeah, let's, let's do this deal. They shake hands. Esau gets the bowl of, of stew, and Jacob gets the birthright. He sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. Seemed like a deal? And his father was wealthy, okay? Abraham's a wealthy man. And so Jacob now has the birthright. And so many of us make these, these decisions where it's difficult to wait for our harvest to come in. If Esau had waited, you know, he'd have found something to eat. You know, if, if you're old enough, you remember a commercial. Ever eat a pine tree? Some parts are edible. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, not enough of you, obviously. Um, <laughs> he'd have found something to eat, and he would have survived, and he would have lived to experience his birthright. So many of us give away our most valuable things because we cannot wait. One thing I encourage, especially young people, one a great birthright that you have been giving that often gets wasted and thrown away like it was of no value is your virginity. And so many young people trade off their virginity for such inconsequential value. They think, you know, um, what good is all of this to me if I'm not popular, if I'm not included, if nobody likes me? You know, and without thought, selling off this birthright for nothing, for nothing that lasts, for nothing that satisfies, and instead of waiting for marriage and waiting for God's timing. I tell you what, there's, you know, there's a blessing that follows that purity that God has given you. And if you will protect it, if you will, if you will treat it as valuable the way that God intended it to be, there is a harvest that flows from that. You know, we, we so often just shortchange ourselves because we cannot wait, because reaping takes time. The price we pay for not being patient and waiting for God's timing for our crop to mature you know, we, we think we gain something now, but we lose big in the future. And it looks so important today, but we live in regret tomorrow. The, f the five laws of sowing and reaping uh, say this is, number one, you will reap what you sow. And number two is that reaping takes time. Wait for it. Wait for it. Number three, this can go either direction, is that you will always reap more than what you sow. That's a law. You will reap more than what you sow. We'll cover Matthew 13 in just a moment here in a little more depth, but Matthew 13, verse 8, Jesus said this. He's talking about good seed, and it fell on good ground, and we'll talk about that also in a moment. 
Jesus said, but others, other seed, fell on good ground and yielded a crop. And here's the point. Some seed produced 100-fold, some 60 and some 30. You will always reap more than you sow. If we got one seed from one seed, would that benefit us at all, right? No. You know, as soon as you ate the seed, then it'd be over, right? So one seed can produce up to 100 times itself. Jesus goes on to say some 60 and some 30. So understand this is that we will always reap more than what we sow. Good seeds produce up to 100 times. Bad seeds often produce even more. Go back to our favorite plant, the dandelion. I wish we could just make peace with the dandelions, don't you? Just somehow like dandelions are a good thing. It'd make our lives so much easier, wouldn't it? But how many know how many seeds are on an average dandelion head? 250, okay? 250. Now a good seed, you know, for something good, you know, over-the-top response is 100. But seed that's bad produces even more than that. One of the things that uh, you'll see in Scripture, and again, if you're taking notes, Leviticus chapter 26, in that chapter, and there's other chapters in Deuteronomy as well, that talk about this uh, harvest, spiritual harvest of sowing and reaping. And if there are 10 blessings for all the good harvest, you know, God says, you obey me and, and you follow after me and your heart is committed to me, I will bless you in these ways. And, and they're enumerated, the ways that God will bless you. You can do your study there in Leviticus 26. And then he says, but if you disobey me, this is what you can expect. And all of these negative things. Guess how many times more the negative things, the curses are to the blessings? How many, do you have any idea what, how many times more the curses are? Seven times more than the blessings. Okay? So understand, we will always reap more than we sow. What we want to be sure is that we are planting good seed. Because when we plant bad seed, it is always more than what the blessings would be. So anybody with understanding there thinks, you know what, it, it would be better for us to follow after the Lord, to obey him. Hosea uh, chapter 8 and verse 7 talks about this. He said, and again, calling Israel out here, he says, you have sown to the wind and you have reaped the whirlwind. And that is, you know, something for us to consider is that number one, uh, you, you reap what you sow. That's law number one. Number two is that reaping takes time. Three is that you will always reap more than what you sow. Law number four. There is a difference where you sow your seed. You know, sometimes uh, we give you, you know, some information. You know, when there's a national disaster or something like that, um, you know, and some people want to help and send a, an offering or a gift of some kind and we, uh, we let you know a good place to sow that kind of gift. You know, Convoy of Hope is an incredible organization. We'll have a little bit more to say about that in a uh, uh, few Sundays. But, you know, you can plant your seed, your gift, anywhere you want. But, you know, if, if you send your money to the Red Cross, you send them a dollar, 50 cents of that dollar will stay at their offices and headquarters, and 50 cents will go to the people in need, Okay. And that's a choice you can make. If you send it Convoy of Hope, uh, and I asked this question when I was with them in, in Springfield, Missouri, just a couple of months ago. Uh, I said, so, 
when I give a dollar to Convoy of Hope, how much, how much of that dollar actually makes it to the field uh, for people in need? And they said, that's a great question. He says, it varies. But uh, we have uh, had percentages uh, up to uh, 98% of a dollar will get to the field. He says, right now, he says, we have eight cents of overhead. So 92 cents actually makes it to the field where people are in need. So that's a, that's a great place to invest your gift, amen? And, and so it makes a difference where you plant your seed. Now, again, you know, that those are choices you can make. Uh, but, you know, we look for good choices, good soil, good opportunities for us to uh, sow seed that God has given us to sow. Uh, Jesus explains this in that passage, Matthew 13, that we covered just a moment ago in just a single verse. But I want to read verses 3 through 9. Jesus says this, it says, And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came down and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground. And yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Okay? We can use these laws to our advantage. We can look at, you know, what kind of harvest do I want? One of the things that uh, my wife planted in, in her marshmallow spaceship was strawberries. Why did she want that? Because we have a granddaughter who loves strawberries. And she planted strawberries so she could harvest strawberries with our granddaughter. Now, we look at our lives and we think, what kind of harvest do we want? Well, we want good health. We want a good marriage. We want our children to be uh, happy and successful and healthy. Well, what do we have to do for those outcomes? Well, there's a lot of things that we can consider. And so understand, we reap what we sow. So ask yourself, what is the harvest I want and what kind of seed do I have to plant to achieve that harvest? To get strawberries, we planted strawberry seeds. We wanted strawberries and planted lettuce seeds, we'd be disappointed. Lettuce seeds are always disappointing anyways, but you know. <laughs> I'm grateful, I'm grateful. But understand, is it just sowing seed indiscriminately doesn't always produce the maximum result. We will get more than what we sow, but it makes a difference where we sow. And uh, we can get that hundredfold return on our investment, on our sowing in our lives and experience that in the spiritual sense, as well as, you know, personally in those around us. And then from this same passage here, the fifth law of sowing and reaping is this, is that the sower determines the size of the harvest. How much are you going to sow? You know, you have choices to make. How much are you going to sow? You determine what that limit is. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6, Paul wrote to the Corinthian believers, he says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now there's a lot of reasons why we don't sow as often as we did and maybe even want to, and I think probably most of those reasons have something to do with fear. We think, you know, when we have seed in our hands, sometimes we're reluctant to let go of that. And we think if I let go of that, I'll end up with less. It's not that way with God. I'll tell you, it's not that way with God. 
And when we trust him, and we can sow and we can you know, expect a harvest far beyond whatever you know, we could do on our own. And you know, there will always be an element of risk when we sow. Not all the ground that we sow to will produce the way we want it to. But we know we will not reap if we do not sow. So ask ourselves a series of questions here. What do you want to reap in 2022? You know, last Sunday we talked about press on. You know, let's, let's get past. I, I just think so many people feel stuck. People feel frustrated. You know, a nation that's stuck and frustrated and angry. Let's move on. Let's press on from that. So ask ourselves the question, what is it that we want to harvest in 2022 and beyond? What do we want to reap? Ask yourselves the question, what have we sown? What are we planning to sow? And how much have we sown? We determine the outcome of the harvest because we determine how much gets planted. And there are opportunities to do it everywhere. You know, with the people that we come in contact with and the people we spend time with, you know. Believe God for a great harvest when we are sharing Christ. You know, for those like our teachers that'll be meeting in the workshop on Saturday, I tell you what, that's, that's sowing right there sowing into lives of children. We don't always know the outcomes of those things, but here's, here's an outcome in the harvest that I'm praying for. I pray that those kids that are taught in our Sunday school is that they never see the inside of a prison. I pray that the children that are taught in our Sunday schools is that they don't have to go through the, the horrible destruction that a divorce brings. I pray that you know the harvest that, that we're sowing for gives those kids wisdom to navigate a world that's more confusing than it ever has been. And it uh, it gives them an upper hand on the destruction that Satan wants to enslave a world with. And uh, and there are those who are sowing into that. And I pray that that they would also believe God for that same harvest. They're not just, you know, babysitting during, you know, adult church. They're investing. They are sowing. They They are planting for the future. And I just pray God's blessing comes back to them over and over again. What are we going to do with our lives in 2022? Are we going to play it safe? Are we not going to, you know, put ourselves out? We're not going to bother ourselves to, you know, press on, to do more, to give our lives more to Christ? I tell you what, Jesus in John chapter 12, these two verses here, he tells us this, Most assuredly I say to you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. In other words, that package of seeds will always remain a package of seeds until it falls into the ground and dies. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. What is Jesus telling us there? That we shouldn't go around hating life in the sense that I hate to be alive. It's like, no, in comparison to what awaits us, the harvest of eternal life. It is worth losing our life in this life in in the sense of giving our lives to Christ, sowing our life into that ground that Christ has for us. And if we do that, we die to self, we will produce much harvest. I'm going to ask our worship team to be ready to close our service this morning and prepare for that. So I want to ask you the question, what are you willing to give to God this year? What are you allowing to die, you know, self? Jesus said, he who loves his life will lose it. You know, the more desperately we grasp and try to, you know, maintain what we have in this life, we're going to lose it anyways. But for the life that Christ has for us in eternity, it's worth risking everything. 
I tell you what, there's never a good time to do anything good, right? Never a good time to have kids. Never a good time to invest. It's never a good time to give your life completely to Jesus. Always reasons. There's always things to consider. But I tell you what, just look fear in the face and say, I need to do what's right anyways. I know that maybe this will cost me some relationships or friends or inclusion of some kind. But he who loves his life will lose it. But he who loses his life for Christ's sake will gain it. And that's your opportunity today. That's your, that is your choice. Give your life to Christ. Allow it to count far more. You know, you live your life and you live it to the end. And, you know, just you're, you and your small circle have benefited from your life. And, and we die and we go away. Really, what, what has been the benefit of that? But when we give our life to Christ, we produce a much larger harvest for good. And it starts with inviting Jesus into your heart today. And if you've never done that, let me share just three uh, steps to inviting Christ into your life, call them the ABCs of salvation. And the first step is A, which stands for admit. Admit that you're a sinner. That's not hard really to do. If you can't think of anything you've done wrong, just ask the person next to you, right? They maybe let you know. Yeah, we've all sinned. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. We just have to admit it. And the, the difficulty with that is Romans 6.23 goes on to say, For the wages of sin is death. That's serious. Separation from God forever and ever. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So it starts with just saying, Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner. I've done wrong. Second step is B. stands for believe. What are we believing? That God is willing and able to forgive you of your sin. Forgive it. Doesn't mean pay him back. It's forgiven. Nobody else can do that for you. Romans 10.10 says, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. When we believe that Jesus is alive and that he loves you and that he's willing to forgive you of anything you have ever done, sometimes we have a hard time even forgiving ourselves. Sometimes there are things we've done to others that they can't forgive us for, but Jesus forgives you. And then that paves the way to the final step, C, confess. Romans 10, 9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Admit you're a sinner, believe in Jesus, and confess him to be the Lord and Savior of your life. Would you bow your heads with me today? Jesus, as we come to the close of this service time together, Lord, I pray for those who have not yet made that decision to make you the Lord of their lives, to be the Lord over everything in their heart and mind. Lord, I pray that admitting that they're sinners would not be a big obstacle. Lord, it's more than obvious we have all sinned. Your word declares it. Lord, I pray that that belief that the Bible tells us that Jesus came to earth as a baby and grew began to teach us how to live a different life and then died on the cross for that sin that we've all committed, that he might forgive it, that we, by accepting his sacrifice on the cross, can have eternal life when we leave this life. And so, Lord, pray for anyone today who would just say, Lord, I confess you to be the Savior of my life today. Come into my heart. Make me a completely new person. Make the harvest that I'm expecting a different harvest than what I deserve. Help me to learn to live this life sowing good seed and expecting a good harvest, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.